0: I am thrilled to announce my participation in the upcoming Mercado Sagrado Virtual Salon on April 15th and 16th. This is a virtual conversational gathering of disruptors, freethinkers, and visionaries. We're going to be bringing back the art of conversation and discourse and maybe even respectful disagreement. Imagine that. Joining me will be a fantastic lineup of over 21 other expansive thought leaders like Nadine Artemis of Living Libations shiva rose and matt roski from cultivate Ultivate, and i'll be discussing quantum abundance non-dual perspectives and sovereignty in the stars with cody channel some of the other topics covered will include the lie of scarcity the myth and mysteries of the sun hidden holistic remedies free energy and suppressed history natural birthing and peaceful parenting homesteading escaping the technocracy social engineering immunity and tons more so if you're interested in how we can all join in unity and usher in a new era of higher consciousness and human freedom, this is not one to miss, folks. Here's what you do to check out the other speakers, view the entire program, and register. Go to LukeStory.com slash Mercado. That's M-E-R-C-A-D-O. Again, this is coming right up on April 15th and 16th, 10 a.m. to 6 p.m. Pacific time for the Mercado Sagrado online salon. That link again is is lukestray.com slash Mercado which can also be found in the show notes for this episode on your podcast app and by the way don't trip if you can't attend the event live online because it's going to be recorded and made available to you afterward see you there
1: you know when we understand that polarity exists there's always going to be light and dark and there's always going to be resistance to change But if we can just focus on our passion and what inspires us and understand that that feeds the field, the more of us that do that, it has more impact on that field so that that field is actually manifesting through every being. I'm David Reed, and this is the Lifestylist Podcast.
0: Luke Story here, back for yet another expansive and inspiring conversation. This one features a new friend named David Reed. It's called Mana from Heaven, Cracking Alchemical Codes of the Earth's Most Potent Substances. Our guest David has spent the last decade studying advanced physics, cosmology, biology, ancient civilizations, mathematics, geometry, and natural systems. All this study has provided our pal David with the discovery and reintroduction of ancient knowledge combined with modern medicine and technology. He's got an in-depth understanding of unified field theories from spending time with leading theoretical physicists, scientists, and inventors. And all this work he's done has resulted in his own research into the fundamental patterns of creation, toroidal codes, and vortex dynamics as the gateway to our physical generation and connection. During his journeying through sacred sites and spaces, which we're going to talk about today, he's been exposed to many ancient and sacred nutrients and frequencies. And he selected just a few of these to introduce to humanity at this time of its evolution within a specific time of a cycle to improve our connection and well-being through our interface with the field and form. And trust me when I say you're going to fiend out on the show notes for this one, so you can find those at lukestory.com read, R-E-I-D. David is, uh, obviously, you might have guessed by now, a fascinating guy, so we made sure to link to all of it in the show notes, again, at lukestory.com read. Here are just a few of the nooks and crannies we explore with David. Now, it's hard to bullet this one out, as it was a very non-linear dialogue, so here are just a few of the topics we explored why he had to travel the world to create his insanely rad product called MANA, frequency resonance technologies, how the development of MANA was based on light, water, and minerals, and we also dig into a few of the individual and unique ingredients in his product like shilajit, ormus, and marine minerals. He also shares some of his wild experiences at destinations like Machu Picchu in Peru, the pyramids in Egypt, the Himalayas in Tibet, and Mount Shasta. And what he learned sleeping on the shore of the Dead Sea for 88 nights. And of course, we also nerd out on the consciousness of water. And finally, the Resonance Science Foundation, which is bringing a unified view of physics into the mainstream. Now, this episode is by no means a product infomercial, but uh, I got to tell you, I am freaking obsessed with David's product called MANA. It's so potent, in fact, that it could likely replace a few other supplements. And it's made from the earth. There's nothing synthetic in it. It's really, really interesting. To grab yourself some mana, use the code LUKE20 at lukestory.com slash mana. That's lukestory.com slash mana. And the very generous code there is LUKE20. Okay, that's enough out of me. Let's get our groove on with the incomparable Mr. David Reed. David Reed, welcome to the show, my man. Thanks, Luke. Nice to be here, brother. So interesting way that we met here today. This happened much more suddenly than is typical with my guest bookings. Our uh, mutual friend, Gabriella, out in the Bay Area, sent me a text. And she never does this, which is what got my attention. I mean, we text about random stuff, but she's never like, hey, you should have this person on your podcast. Because there's too many amazing people in the world with the time allotted that I have. So I always have a list of like 100 people that I'm chasing after. So I don't generally take inquiries just because I selfishly want the people that I want already. But uh, she sent me your media kit for your product here, Mana, and, and your personal media kit. And she's like, dude's next level. Just trust me. And I was like, okay, I read the the PDFs. And I was like, I got to interview this guy. He sounds too interesting. We sound too aligned. So I'm really happy that you're able to make the time.
1: Thank you. Yeah, it's lovely to be here. And I can feel your energy as well. So I'm looking forward to sharing and seeing where it takes us.
0: Right on, dude. Right on. So um, judging by your accent, are you from Kentucky, Alabama? Just kidding. He's an Aussie if you guys didn't guess. So tell (laughs) me about your... Decade of experience working with top 20 international medical device companies. Like, I think it's interesting because your product, Mana, is very much of the earth, right? It's a very earthy product. And I can't wait to talk about it because I'm like super high on this (laughs) and not like intoxicated, but it is a really great product. But it's interesting that you came out of more of a medical tech world as the you know, the CEO of this company that's making this very Earth-based product. So what was that journey like?
1: Originally, I was actually an aircraft engineer in the military in the Navy. Really? And then I got out of that, got into medical devices for an American company actually called Stryker, where I was selling digital operating theaters. So selling them to the the hospital, then managing the installation process, then doing the in-services when they actually went live, teaching the surgeons and nursing staff, how to use them. But to be honest with you, Luke, it feels like another lifetime ago. Yeah. I'm very blessed that I had that opportunity in that corporate world because it taught me a lot of skills that I utilize now. After a decade of doing that, I just realized I wasn't happy and wanted to do something else.
0: Wow, good for you, man. See, when I read that, I was thinking, ooh, maybe it's some cutting-edge biohacking technologies kind of stuff. So you're talking about like Western medicine hospital technologies. Totally. And, you know, God bless them. If you need a surgery, it's probably
1: a good place to go do it. <laughs> totally. And I was in sales and marketing. So okay. as I said, it was great to get that corporate exposure. Yeah, I'm glad I ticked that box. And I'm glad I got out of it as well. Yeah,
0: right on, man. You know, we could cover in, in greater detail later because I want to pick apart some of the ingredients in MANA. And normally if someone has a product with them when they come, I may or may not even talk about it. It's got to be pretty cool. Mm -hmm. But I actually had some of this when you brought it over and it was very impressive. So how did that come to be? And then we'll jump back to some of the backstory.
1: Uh, That's a big story. I mean, the two active ingredients in there is a hypertonic ocean plasma from the Dead Sea and also the other 50% of it we collect off Tasmania in Australia between Tasmania and Antarctica where the water is very pure and that goes through a three-year solar evaporation process to readjust the mineral contents. Like, Three years? Yeah. Damn. So I call <laughs> Talk that, about
0: supply chain issues. I don't know if you guys have that in Australia but it's a thing here.
1: <laughs> but at least it's sustainable, right? Because the ocean's pretty big. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> for sure. So that's half of the active ingredient is the ocean plasma which we put that through a proprietary vortex device that turns that plasma white and produces a precipitate, which is what the ancients used to call mana or the Egyptians used to call mufkat. We can talk more about that later if you like. The other uh, half of the ingredients is shilajit. And again, shilajit's really exploded on the planet probably over the last three years. There's lots of different types of shilajit. Once I found out how powerful it was and the impacts that it can have on the mind and the body... I'm a bit of a perfectionist, so I I set myself a goal to find the best shilajit on the planet. So we get our shilajit from above 16,000 feet. Wow. The benefits of that is the nutritional concentration. When you do the lab tests, it becomes very apparent. Interesting. Yeah.
0: Wow. And so you'd never produced any kind of supplement before?
1: No, and I didn't have the intention to as well. Yeah, it was just something that organically unfolded from the journey that I was on. Wow, cool.
0: That's always (laughs) the best way, isn't it? I never intended to have a podcast. I just listened to them and one day just put a mic on and it
1: happened. (laughs) Yeah. And to be honest, I'm just a steward for the commodities. It's really just the elements that produce these. And I'm just sharing those with uh, whoever wants to tap into those elements and connection.
0: Awesome. Well, I'm glad you
1: shared them with me today. I'm stoked.
0: What about frequency resonance devices? Are you into, into this stuff? Sure. The realm of the tesla coils and magnetics and and all of this stuff what what's your relationship to that world
1: well i see us as frequency resonant devices actually the most advanced ones in the universe and everything external is just an expression of wherever humanity's consciousness is at at the time so everything's a frequency resonant device have you played around with any of these things do you have any that you can name that have been impressive to you Yes, I'm the Australian emissary for the Resonant Science Foundation. I spent uh, December 2012 with Nassim Harameen, who's a theoretical physicist oh, yeah. in Kauai. He has a device called the Sphere Flux Resonator, or some people just know it as the Resonator. And so I actually slept in the room next to that device for a month. Really? For December 2012. Absolutely. While it was running? Uh, no, it was turned off. He only ever turned it on once. I don't know if I can say what happened here. <laughs> oh man, come on! <laughs> but it's been twenty years of uh, understanding frequency technology uh-huh. before he feels comfortable turning that on again. And he's actually built a second-generation resonator now. Wow. Yes, but the one that was turned off still was very active. I'll oh, just say that's that. That's so
0: interesting. I love this kind of stuff. In fact, he's been someone I've been in talks with for I don't know, probably three years to interview and he's not the kind of guy you interview on Zoom. You know what I mean? And hes in, I think he's still in California. There was talk of him moving somewhere. So I wanted to go to his lab and like get a video crew and show some of the things that he's working on. He's a fascinating guy. I've only met him once in person, but that must have been an interesting experience.
1: He's amazing. Yeah, yeah. I see him as a theoretical physicist slash mystic and he probably understands the element of space better than anybody else on the planet. Wow. So that was fascinating. And then... I've got another business that's called MagneticEnergyFuture.com. So that's got 15 different magnetic devices really? that are all based around free energy, generation of heat, generation of light. There's also a replicator on that website and actually how to build it. And the 15th device that's on there is a spaceship. So there's some pretty cool stuff. What's a replicator? That it can replicate whatever you like. <laughs>
0: <laughs> like the frequency signature of something?
1: Correct. Okay. So it maps out the magnetic signature of whatever you have. Let's say it's your hand. It can map out the magnetic pulse rate and the magnetic spin rate and then the actual time that that came into inception. So you can have a look at it. It's called the Pyramid Molecular Exchange Unit. Wow. And it literally creates a field where the atoms and molecules get put into a neutral state. So let's say you had an injury on your hand, you could put your hand into that device and it would connect in with your higher dimensional template or pristine blueprint and fix your hand. So I want to say at the moment these 15 devices that are on the site are all theoretical.
0: Okay, so they're not commercially available yet. No. Because I'm already thinking about, all right, I got to fix this, I got to fix this.
1: (laughs) No. And I'm not the inventor of those. I was on a magnetic board with six inventors eight years ago. Uh And now, again, I'm stewarding those products as well. But the inventor is here with us and uh, they will be built as we enter the golden age and that'll be the future of technology. We'll move away from electricity and move towards magnetic energy.
0: Oh, my God. Please. I'm ready. (laughs) You just saw me throw the power cable away from my iPad here because I don't want to be on <laughs> an electric field. Who's the idiot that just decided, let's put 60 hertz running through all the walls of every building and just electrocute everyone on a slow fry for their entire life? I don't know what you guys use over there, but it's probably just as dumb. So I love hearing about technologies like this because it's like the, the energies and the potential that we need to sustain our our life is all here already, right? It's just a matter of like how you choose to channel those energies and which frequencies you use and such. Like with the free energy device, those in control of the levers of revenue for energy have manipulated the masses into thinking that they're the only source of that energy right? Like fossil fuels, electricity, however we generate electricity, power. Whereas I get the sense that humans have figured out how to do that before and it got destroyed. And then they pretended like it never happened, that we were all cavemen before this, right? And we can get into some of that. Okay. And you guys, we'll link to all of this. The show notes today will be lukestory.com slash read, R-E-I-D, lukestory.com slash read, because I'm sure we're going to throw out a lot of stuff and I want you guys to be able to find it. So with these technologies that you're helping to steward in, is there any sort of a timeline on any of this stuff?
1: Well, the timeline moves. So the cycle that we've been in, I don't have any resistance to it. It's been beautiful. It's got us to this far. It's given us this amazing human experience that we've had. And now we're going through, through a, a major transition where everything's changing, whether it's our medicine, whether it's our science, whether it's our food, actually our human being is transforming into a brand new kind of being so the human being itself is transcending into something else so that's a big part of what the man is about as well is actually activating the light body so having a greater capacity of light within us so that we can go through that genetic liberation through cellular illumination and activate the light body and once that happens because the inner consciousness has changed then the outer expression changes as well, which is a really exciting message to share because we get to experience more of the truth of who we are, which is less separation and fear and more connection and love.
0: I really like your optimistic attitude. (laughs) It's inspiring to me because there's a certain part of some people, uh, at least for me, that It's like you you want to have an awareness of what's going on in the world, right? Just if you're a seeker of truth, you just crave understanding. But because we live in this duality, part of what you discover is that there's some really nefarious shit going on that's been going on for a really hard time. So I'm asking myself, where's the balance of... You know, sure, being aware of the dark side, for lack of a better term, and just kind of letting it be there and go, that's fine, but we're building this new thing, right? And just focusing all of your energy into what you want to see rather than what you don't want, right? And that's something that I grapple with a bit because there's a sort of rebellious spirit within me that's like, no, fuck those guys, <laughs> you know? We got to tear it down, but it can't be torn down. It seems to me that the way forward is more what you describe of the elevation of consciousness is going to manifest the change we want to see and, and that it seems as though the smartest way to do that is for each individual to do it for themselves until you hit sort of a critical mass tipping point where there's enough awakened beings on the planet where things, as they manifest outwardly, actually become different. Yeah. Would you subscribe to that?
1: Totally, and I think one of the tricks to staying out of the fear and the separation is to understand the truth of who we are. So once we understand and experience and know that we're infinite and eternal beings, like we are the now moment itself, and that's never born or it never ends, once that's our experience of life, then there's a much deeper peace and there's a much deeper connection to everything else because you realise everything is actually emanating out of that space, emanating out of that field and returning to that field. So it's a much kinder way to interact because what's looking out of my eyes is also looking out of your eyes. It's the same thing. So what's the point in harming you or somebody else? And as we move into a more light section of the universe, everyone will get to experience that in their own way. And by just focusing on the light and allowing that to cultivate in yourself is the greatest thing that you can actually do for that field because the field is what's manifesting everything that we see in reality, amen brother yeah thanks for
0: the reminder it's easy to uh, to get caught up sometimes in what's wrong with the world, right of course, and to forget that it's it's like innately, I know that this is a temporary expression of consciousness called Luke's story in this body <laughs> in this lifetime, and so I have much less attachment to preventing death, but the attachment that I find a, a bit more difficult is like the attachment to the wife that I love and the things that seem that I'm going to lose them when I transition out of this body. It's not so much about like, oh, I have to stay alive. It's like, no, no, but I want to keep the stuff that I have here while yes. I'm alive. You know? yes. How do you reconcile within yourself that level of attachment?
1: Yeah, again, it's like if we understand we're infinite and eternal and that becomes our experience, the most beautiful part of that for me is we come to realize what true love is. And what true love is, is the fact that we get to exist. The fact that existence can take place. And that's probably the biggest thing I got from diving into theoretical physics and advanced mathematics and cosmology and studying these ancient civilizations as well, is that once we understand what it takes for us to be in this vehicle, and all of the biochemical reactions that are taking place, there's like you know, trillions and trillions of them every second happening in harmony and resonance so that we can sit here now and have a conversation. And that's happening for every being. It's just miracle after miracle in the moment. So that when we remember that, like the deepest gratitude arises in us for whatever's taking place. And we can always know that something will be taking place because we're infinite and eternal. We don't know what that's going to be or how that's going to look like. But in the moment, we can just be thankful because it's so—it's—it's it's the greatest miracle that can ever be, actually.
0: Yeah, all of the, uh, the infinite number of processes that have to be expressed in any given moment to just make something as simple as a conversation happen like the i don't know about the mathematics of it like it sounds like you do but if i just think broadly like the odds of this happening are so small right like exactly. there's so many things that have to coalesce in that's order it. for this moment to happen that's it you know and if any one of those pieces was different this would be different or wouldn't be yeah
1: and to answer your question to extend on that like it doesn't mean that that makes it any easier if you have attachments and it changes, or, you know, death and passing and things like that. It's obviously still very sad. And we'll never see those people or that being or that energy in that form ever again. But again, that just makes it so much more special when we do have those moments to be in that deep gratitude and surrender and trust. That's a great reminder.
0: When you speak about these things, it reminds me of experiences that I've had with plant medicines and psychedelics, you know, where okay. th- those have been the times where I don't theoretically understand the concepts that you're sharing. I'm actually, there's an inner knowing because they're experiential. And then some time goes by and those experiences are integrated and I have perhaps a little bit more of a tangible relationship with that experience and that knowing. But then the Maya of <laughs> the material <laughs> world kind of comes back and I think, I don't know, was that real? you know? <laughs> um, did you arrive at this perspective? And, and I know that it, it's more than an intellectual construct because I'm looking in your eyes and I see that you're talking from somewhere, not about somewhere. Mm-hmm. There's a big distinction there, I think. All right, y'all, let's take a moment to lower your stress, shall we? One of the best ways to do this is the Apollo wearable. It was developed by neuroscientists and physicians, and it utilizes a new touch therapy experience for better sleep, more energy, relaxation, and focus. The way it works is this. Through soothing, gentle waves of vibration, the Apollo Wearable helps your body relax and reduces feelings of stress. You can wear it on the wrist, ankle, or as a clip attached to your clothing. And the Apollo's wearable, scientifically validated technology actively improves your health by strengthening your nervous system, helping you go from fight or flight to rest and digest. But don't be fooled by its simplicity. The science behind this technology and the results are the real deal. Check this out. Across seven completed clinical trials with 14 ongoing and real-world studies, Apollo wearable users experience this. 40% less stress and feelings of anxiety, 19% more time in deep sleep, an 11% increase in HRV, or heart rate variability, and up to 25% more focus and more concentration. So you might have seen some other tracking devices on the market, but rather than tracking your health, the Apollo wearable is actually proven to improve it. As the Apollo strengthens and rebalances your autonomic nervous system, your heart rate variability, your HRV, improves, which means you're building resilience to stress and it gets better and better the longer you use it. I've been on this thing for a couple years and uh, it's one of my most cherished tools. So if you want to check it out, jam over to com and use the code LUKESTORY15 for 15% off. That's com, and the code is LUKESTORY15. How much of this perception and worldview has come to you through studying physics and mathematics and ancient civilizations or have you come to it through meditation or breath work or any other modalities of that nature?
1: I I believe that we all have a divine destiny and then there's catalysts or breadcrumbs along the way that we can either choose now or down the track. For me, a huge part of it was exposure to Nassim Harameen and In November 2011, I feel like I went through an initiation process with him down in Mexico near Chichen Itza and in the cenotes near Tulum. And then the following year, I sun-gazed every day for a year, weather-dependent. Where I live in Australia, there's about 300 sunny days a year, so it's very generous for the elements. Yeah. And that probably had the biggest impact on me. So I was developing a relationship with the elements, with the space from the sim, with light, and the sun from the sun. And then the next element was water. I became very intimate with water and structured water, charged water, vortexes, which I'd learnt from Nassim as well, was like there's a fundamental pattern of creation that replicates on all scales through all things. And a beautiful way to actually experience that was with water because you can see vortexes. So I started building a whole bunch of different Did you really? water devices. Yeah, a couple of them are six foot tall. Really? Yeah, which was awesome because you can turn them on, you can see the vortex start, you can watch it running, you can wow. feel the field. It's a great way to deepen your relationship with water. Because two main things that water loves is water loves to spin or it loves to dance and it loves to be charged. So it loves to be near electromagnetic fields. So rare earth magnets or rotating magnetic fields.
0: Hey, I got something for you. Right now, I have a piece of tourmaline and a piece of shungite in my water, in my yes. spring water that you guys are drinking down there. Shout out to Alive Waters. Is that a good idea or not?
1: Totally. Oh, okay. Because yeah, totally. I just
0: did it intuitively. And then sometimes I see it in there, I'm like, I don't even know if this is good. It just sounded like a good idea.
1: Well, water's, water's alive.
0: Yeah, 100%. As you know. So, yeah, yeah. it loves
1: being near high-frequency substances, so it can charge, So like rose is the highest frequency scent, loves being near rose. Excuse me. That's why the wife loves the rose spray.
0: There's like a bunch of bottles of it up there. That's like her favorite thing. And she drinks it too. And you
1: got the fresh roses on the table. Yeah, well, there you go. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And then gold is the highest frequency metal. So it loves to to be around gold. And then any of the precious gems, like the crystals Uh and the shungite. Wow. Loves that. So if you think of gold as a living being, which it is, then... Take care of it. Treat it that way. Wow. Yeah. Interesting. Have you ever um, explored the work of Veda
0: Austin? Are you familiar? Oh.
1: Yeah, yeah. I've stayed with Veda. Oh, you have? Yes. Oh, my God, dude.
0: I'll text you a podcast I did with her, probably in my top 10 of seven years of doing this. I mean, we had a, at least, well, I had an incredible experience talking to her about just the nature of consciousness of water which I've been kind of aware of, but not to that level, the stuff that she's up to. It's just like you can't even believe it. It's unbelievable.
1: She used to have a water company called Lemurian Springs. It was from a spring in New Zealand where the alkalinity was just naturally, I think it was nine and a half alkaline. And I went over there, as I said, and stayed with her. And yeah, she's doing some incredible work with imprinting water, by putting it near different things, it sounds like you know yeah, all about it. So yeah, she's, have you ever she's played amazing. with any of that stuff? I haven't. No.
0: The freezing, the water. I've been on Amazon probably three times to buy the petri dishes to do her old so. technique, and then I just I get distracted and I don't do it, or <laughs> ah, they don't look like the right kind. Note to self, Luke: get the goddamn petri dishes because the stuff she's doing is it's unreal. I mean, just for those, we'll put it in the show notes again at lukestory.com slash read. We'll link to that episode. But one of the many experiments she did that blew my mind is she took the water, put it in the Petri dish, and then went over to the stereo and played Stairway to Heaven by Led Zeppelin, <laughs> puts the water in the freezer for four minutes, takes it out, and there's a freaking stairway in the water.
1: I mean, what? She's documented hundreds of yeah. them now. Yeah, yeah. A lot of people know Amoto's work. Sure. And she's really taken over from Dr. Emoto's work. That's how I see that and taking it to a whole nother level.
0: Oh, way beyond. Because she's doing the hydroglyphs too, where she's actually developing an alphabet in a language of the water speaking to us.
1: I haven't seen that. Yeah, she calls
0: it hydroglyphs. So she's identifying that water will use the same symbol for the same word over and over and over again. And so she's building a language the language of water essentially nice yeah so you get like you know she'll do it i don't know 200 times the word love and the water will make the same symbol each time wow and so they they have their own it has its own language it's crazy
1: dude when i was at the dead sea i slept at the bank of the dead sea for for 88 nights why 88 uh it just ha- happened that way Oh, okay yeah wasn't I wasn't like some formulaic... No, I didn't plan it. I ancient actually, mystery uh,
0: school number or something.
1: Yeah, I didn't okay. plan it at all. Okay. Um, actually, the reason I left that 88th night was because you get a 90-day visa, so I had to leave. There you go. But what I was going to say about that was I was doing a lot of fasting and a lot of bathing in the Dead Sea itself and then the hot springs and the black mud. And the message that kept coming through me was that water uses us to express itself.
0: Oh, shit. Oh, shit. Right, because we're molecularly speaking, what, 99% water.
1: Correct. What? So water being a closer expression, expression to God as an element, just the four elements, everything is made from the four elements, light, water, and minerals, every single thing is made from those. So water is actually like the stage or the platform that light can project out from so that we can see it. And then the minerals make up all the different frequencies or songs or expressions. So if you think about it, water's in everything. There's nowhere in the universe where we can't find water. So water is using everything to express itself. Wow. Yeah, so we think we're so significant and we are because we're <laughs> in our own universes, but it's just a nice little twist on how important water that's, is and how
0: beautiful water is. That's deep. That's deep. It's humbling too, Yes, right? I mean, I think we get so myopic as a species. Our self-importance sometimes is just out of control. It's a so, nice way
1: to surrender and trust.
0: There's hot springs in Israel
1: where you were in the Dead Sea? Absolutely. Oh my so, God. Yeah, I was at En Gedi, and then there's Qumran, which is just up the road. Not many people know about the hot springs. but the I've, light-
0: Yeah, I've never heard of it. I was like, what?
1: I got to go there. Yeah, the locals know about it. I'm friends with the people that run the kibbutz at Anggeti, and it would get to about seven p.m. at night, and we'd go down in an old four-wheel drive because they're quite close to the sea. Actually, some of them just run straight into the sea. Oh, wow! And the beautiful thing is, they're all different temperatures. So you can find one that's very close to our body's temperature, let's say 38 degrees. Like a float tank. Like a float tank. Whoa. Lie there, look at the clear sky because they have 360 sunny days a year. Oh, man. And here's the kicker is the water is actually, and most people don't know this about the Dead Sea, they just think it's really strong in sodium chloride, but it's actually only 8% sodium chloride, And then it's magnesium, potassium, sulfur, calcium. So all the other macro minerals and macronutrients that our bodies are starving from because they're not in the food and the soils anymore. So you're literally lying there in a float tank. Oh my God. That's from the earth that has the perfect ratio of everything that's in our body. And this is what I believe the Essenes were actually talking about when they were talking about doing daily baptisms and being in altered states back when they were preparing for Joshua to come through. Did you ever get into
0: Greg Braden?
1: Totally, yeah. Yeah, I remember
0: 20 years ago reading his book. I think it was called The Dead Sea Scrolls or it was about the Dead Sea Scrolls and he was talking about the Essenes and stuff. I haven't heard that word in a long time. (laughs) So you're 88 nights sleeping out there next to the Dead Sea. And that's really interesting about the water too because I I too just assumed because of its buoyancy that it was just super salty water. But that's interesting that it actually has the complete set of minerals. That's really trippy. Yeah, and, and Oh my so God, you know what that reminds me of? Years ago in LA, there was an Israeli family that opened up essentially a salt spa, or I think is what they called it. And so they had like a salt room, like a halo therapy or whatever they call it. But then he built these basically like indoor jacuzzi looking things that were the minerals from the Dead Sea. He like shipped over the Dead Sea minerals That's and that awesome. was his float tanks. They weren't tanks, but just a float pool. And he was telling me the whole story about like why these were special and you know i don't think i got it at the time i was like ah whatever it's a bunch of salt so it makes you buoyant but i think he was tapped into that because he he was just a regular guy he wasn't like a health spa guy or anything and he had i think arthritis Mm a crippling arthritis Mm -hmm. and went to the dead sea and soaked for a period of time and was totally healed yes and went like uh what and he brought that water basically to la and opened a spot on La Brea. It's do you know blast, if you bought it?
1: Do you know if you bought it in liquid form or as a powder?
0: I'm assuming a powder, but I'm not certain. But it was quite it was quite nice. Um, it's just that I remember being in the room. <laughs> they didn't put chlorine in the water or anything, you know. Thankfully, some people would do that, even though you don't need to if there's that much salt in it. I think, but they didn't get the light leaks, you know. So there's like all these little lights from the smoke alarm and stuff. And I remember being in there, like, God, you guys make it dark in here at least." But it it was still nice. Uh, but anyway, I digress. So you're you're there for 88 days. You're soaking in these hot springs. You're doing this black mud. You're laying in the water. What was that experience like? What happened to you? How did you get the download about water expressing itself through through life and through biology
1: and all that? Yeah, it was a very powerful location where I was. And when I say I slept by the Dead Sea, there was actually an old abandoned lifeguard hut, this beautiful timber cabin that was just sitting there. And accommodation in the area was very expensive. And at the time I had nothing. The reason it had been abandoned was because there was all these sinkholes. So it was considered very dangerous. So everything that was around there had to move up, I want to say, like 500 yards uh, and I was thinking meters, so it's probably more like a thousand, fifteen hundred yards. It's like five hundred meters. I would wake up in the morning facing Jordan, and the sun would rise over those mountains, so we'd get in like a beautiful sun gaze, and then go into the Dead Sea. I like to call it the Sea of Life because it's the highest resolution water on the planet. By that I mean it's got the most information in it of any water there is. Wow. I would come out of there and you'd have to wash it off because if you were getting there daily, it's so intense that it can burn your skin. So behind us was a freshwater spring as well. And when I say us, I was there with a friend of mine at the time. It was just the two of us. Yeah, I guess because we had nothing, we were fasting, looking at the sun, getting in this sea of life, ocean plasma. And Marty was reading a lot of like sacred text. So we were just kind of, sitting in that space where we're very open, we were communing with the elements and we were there for a long time. Eighty-eight days and nights is a long time. And that's one of the things I've learnt over the last decade is when I go to some of these sites to go there for an undisclosed length. You know, sometimes you can go there for a day and get everything you need and you can move on. But other times you just feel like staying. And hmm. that particular experience was really interesting for me because in the last three days I received more information than I had in the previous 85. Really? Yeah. yeah so yeah.
0: had you bailed out because you wanted a cozy hotel or missed your friends back home or something, you would have likely actually missed the gold of that.
1: Totally. That's yeah, so yeah. interesting. And we did get access to, to food and, and mattresses and pillows and everything like that. The Jewish community were so friendly and as I said, there was a kibbutz about a kilometer away so and by the end of our time there the timber cabin was decked out with pretty much everything you can imagine
0: oh <laughs> the, god this makes me want to go on adventures you know sometimes i think ah, i'm 52 my adventure days are over but then i hear a story like that i'm like i got
1: to go there it's just one of those special places i mean it's right on a ley line which runs through the dead sea big song line runs straight across right where the cabin was a lot of the kings and pharaohs from ancient egypt Used to go to Engedi. Cleopatra was at Engedi in 35 BC and demanded from Mark Antony, who she was with at the time, to trade with King Herod to get Engedi so that she actually owned En-Gedi at a particular really? time for the minerals. King David used to go there all the time for his water and insights, is what the Jewish say. So, yeah, it's just a testing place because it is so elemental. But it's also, um, there's just something very magical there from exposing the elements and I guess allowing us to, to really bathe in that truth of who we are, which we touched on before, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, that infinite eternal nature. Do you
0: perceive, based on you studying these ancient civilizations, do you perceive that places like you know, the pyramids in Egypt or the Dead Sea were at some point tropical and lush and not barren deserts?
1: Totally. Yeah. Is it is that thing? Totally. That I mean the greatest example is in the centre of Australia, Uluru, which is, you know, so far from the ocean, it's like being in Denver in the US because Australia's as big as the US. Not many people realise that. Really? So be like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Wow. So it'd be like Uluru is like where Denver would be, but there's nothing else between LA and New York. And they've found opalized cockle shells. At Uluru, which means that was underwater, seawater. So it'd be like Denver being underwater. So we've had many cycles on this planet. I mean, another example actually is from Byron Bay in Australia all the way out to Uluru, used to be a forest. Oh, wow. Yeah, and that's what a lot of the coal is. The coal is a broken down biological material. So at some point, yeah, in some so cycle. Interesting.
0: You know, again, like going back to the, timelessness of infinite eternity, right? It's so interesting to think of the false sense of security that we have and how, going back to those attachments, right? How we get attached to this body and this is the way the world is and this is how the geography is and the seas are here and there and these people are from there and those people are from there. And it's like, who knows how many times this planet has been essentially a different planet. Totally. Right? And then these cataclysmic events take place and the whole thing just boils over that's why i kind of sometimes you know lovingly get a kick out of people that are very well intentioned wanting to save the planet there's a great george carlin skit about this and it's like yeah. in the skit i don't know if you've seen it but he's like the planet's fine you people now might be fucked but the planet's not going anywhere right because the planet will just recycle itself and there'll be lava and volcanoes and great floods and asteroids and whatever and it just like morphs into something different over billions of years, you know? Totally. It's really interesting to water think will about use that. use
1: something else to express itself.
0: Right, right. Don't let me forget to go back to sun gazing because that's one of my favorite practices too. It sounds like you've taken it to another level that I would like to learn about uh, with water. Have you geeked out on this concept of primary water? Meaning what- water that is actually produced by the inner earth that's outside of the hydrological cycle that we're taught in school? Yes. T- tell us what you know about that. I find this concept fascinating. And also just a part of me, just I just know that it's true. If you go to Colorado and go 10,000 feet up the top of a mountain, that's not water that's gone through that cycle. It's like levitational water that I really believe is coming from, it's made by the earth. And then if you think about the official narrative of how the oceans came to be. It's like, oh, water floated from outer space and landed on the surface of the planet and just somehow magically stuck here. That's just never sounded logical to me. So it seems like I'm going into your water as expressing itself through matter, right? Mm-hmm. It seems like the earth itself is just a massive water generator. Beautiful. What What have you learned about that or what's your take on that?
1: I've never actually thought of the earth as being a water generator, but yeah, it is.
0: I agree with you. Because it's, okay, so let's just say the theory of primary water is right, and whatever, 10,000 feet beneath the surface, there's some mechanism of energy that puts different molecules together and creates water, right? And then eventually it comes up and springs forth through a spring, and then that goes down into brooks, streams, creeks, rivers, mm-hmm into the ocean, then precipitates and goes up into clouds and becomes snow and rain and then drips down the mountain, right? And that's the classical hydrological cycle. But where did it all come from in the first place, right? And why does more of it keep coming? Like we were talking about Shasta. If you go to the headwaters of the Sacramento River in Lake Shasta, it's a massive geyser of water that's been going that way, producing that water out of somewhere for all of recorded history, There's no time when we know that that was not happening, and someone who's very logical and linear would say, oh, that's just all the snow runoff from that big mountain that seeped down into the aquifer and it's just coming back out. And I'm like, mm. then why does it have the same volume of water coming out whether it's snow melt time or not, right? It's not like there's less water at the end of the summer toward fall when like it would have all drained out, you know what I mean? I mean, I think about things in a very Flintstonian simplistic way, granted. So for any you know, deep intellectuals listening, just bear with me. But <laughs> I'm just talking like gut, common sense, just like let's forget all we've been taught and just pr- be innocent children and be teachable and curious. But that's what seems to be happening to me if I just you know, take everything I know out of it and just my gut says the planet is a giant water generator. I agree with you. Yeah.
1: Yeah, does that make yeah, sense? Totally. And the, the bottom of the Dead Sea, what I was showing, is it's connected to inner earth. So that's another example. Of, oh, wow. Yeah.
0: Really? Yeah. Did that come to you in some sort of just a, an inner knowing in a meditation right. or something? Yes. I knew we were going to get along. Gabriella was right. <laughs> uh, not that you just get along with people that agree with you, but it's nice to have your intuition validated and your, well, and your experience. In yeah,
1: and the other yeah. way to think of it too, right, is... Water is recognized by science as H2O and the earth is a generator of H2O as well because everything's in right. the field. It's manifesting out of the field and returning back to the field. And so we're generators. The earth is a generator. The sun is a generator. The galaxies are a generator. Atoms are little generators. They're little energy centers. So it makes sense that the earth would generate water from within.
0: Dig it. All right, so sun gazing. This is something I heard about, I don't know, maybe 20 years ago, and it just made sense to me. And then I interviewed people like Dr. Jack Cruz and different people that kind of explained the circadian biology side of it you know, and how so much of your hormones and neurotransmitters are regulated by your exposure to different spectrum of light. So the red light present at dusk and dawn and kind of the scientific validation of it is interesting also and the history of it right Mm -hmm. just there's been sun worshiping cultures throughout recorded history but i have never been able to find a definitive practice for it and so when i talk about it because i do it just about every morning we don't get sun as many days as you do probably but out that window right now you can see the sunrise depending on the the year i can't see the sun set from here but i can get that sunrise so I always leave the curtains open so the, the light wakes me up so that I make it in time to see the little gold ball come up. Beautiful. But I always give the caveat, go study with someone before you just randomly start to sun gaze because you could hurt your eyes if you're doing it, you know, when you get too much UV too late. So did you study with someone or did you just wing it and figure it out? Like what was the practice that you applied?
1: Yeah, so I listened to a YouTube. That was my introduction. A friend sent me a YouTube by a gentleman called HRM. And HRM. HRM, yeah. Hero Haram R-matic, something like that. But HRM, Sungazing, you'll find it online. Oh, cool. And he's got a beautiful teaching of what happens through the different stages. But basically, it was you start at 10 seconds and you only add 10 seconds a day, every day for nine months. And that, that gets you up to… Oh, man, really? That gets you up to 45 I minutes. I definitely
0: did it wrong, <laughs> if that's the right way. Yeah.
1: And yeah, you only do it in the first hour of the day uh-huh. or the last hour of the day. And the reason for that is there's no UV rays that yeah. can damage the eyes. Yeah. So you can actually damage your eyes if you do it in the middle of the day. So yeah, that's a really good practice because it's very kind on the body. And your eyes will also let you know if you're going too far too quick. Like, you know, if you're at one minute and you wanted to try going straight to 20, you mightn't be conditioned for it, so you'd know. But it's it's the most beautiful process and practice that I've ever done. It's amazing because it's just so easy to do. It's free. It's so kind on the body. And most importantly, it's so healing and removes those layers of fear and separation that are so apparent in our genetics and in our conditioning.
0: That's so interesting because I've, I know that it's been couched more as a spiritual practice historically. Yes. But I think because I came in it through the promise of the health benefits that I sort of discounted the spiritual element of it. Now that you're framing it that way, I'm like, oh, I kind of forgot about that part. Or, I don't know that I ever paid that much attention. To me, I just know if I wake up in time to sun gaze, especially if I get a good sunrise and I, you know, there's not a lot of cloud cover and I get that red light, invariably I will have... Tons of energy that day and be in a great mood. So yes. for me, it's just it's more of like a biological practice. But I I really am excited to to take it deeper and and actually you know connect with it in a different way.
1: It's very important, especially. I mean, it's always been very important because it's the source of who we are. It's literally the son of God, and it's the source of all life within this solar system and everything else within this solar system is following the sun, spiraling behind it in a vortexual movement through the galaxy. And the sun's putting out a huge golden shower that's protecting our planet as we move into this stage of more light, actually. So getting that light in through our eyes has certain receptors that will turn on and other ones will turn off. And then there's other things we can do like get some of the density out of our diet is another big one. It's really important at the moment as well because the sun gives out neutrinos which is really what nutrients are so as we're coming into the activation of our light bodies if we can get those neutrinos and light then when the more advanced energy comes out from the sun we'll be prepared for it because if we're not it can can be harmful
0: you know i was thinking about the 10 second thing i think god luke you really screwed that up a i've only ever sun gazed probably in the first 20 minutes when the sun comes up. Perfect. But I have used that like, oh, that feels a little bright. Then all I do is just lower or raise my gaze a few degrees so that the light's still in my eyes, but I'm not actually looking directly at it. So like if I have a clean horizon, say in the desert, where there's no obstruction from a mountain or something, then I'll look directly at it for the first, I don't know, a couple minutes maybe. And then as it starts to get a little more intense, I'll just lower my gaze I just keep lowering my gaze, but I actually stay there still exposed to the light. Perfect. Just not looking at it. I mean, I, you know, I'm not blind yet. <laughs> but it is something that, as I said, I do want to just caveat for people. Because if you just say, oh, yeah, sun gazing's is great for you, then someone could go out at noon and start staring at the sun and get themselves in trouble. Yes. But like you said, the first hour, no UV. So if you kind of get the, the guy on YouTube, and we'll put that in the show notes, that's really good information. And the spiritual part of it, too. Wow, that's really... I don't know how I missed that. So thank you for bringing that in. Welcome. I've got a hot tip here for affordable sauna therapy. You heard it right. Check this out. If you want to burn more calories just sitting on your ass, detoxify your body, ease stress, and unwind, then listen up, my friends. Bond Charge is a holistic wellness brand with a huge range of evidence-based products to optimize your life big time. From blue light glasses and red light therapy to EMF management and circadian-friendly lighting, Bond Charge products help you naturally address the issues of our modern-day way of life effortlessly and with maximum impact. And my favorite new product from Bond Charge is their infrared sauna blanket. Now I love this thing because it's portable and much more budget-friendly than a traditional sauna. Because I get messages somewhat frequently from listeners struggling to afford many of the exotic, high-tech modalities we discuss here on the show. Well, if that's you, this is definitely a great option. The sauna blanket raises your heart rate to that of physical exercise, so it actually burns calories while you relax. You can burn up to 600 calories in just one session. It's nuts. And of course, sweating also helps flush out heavy metals and other toxins, which are so prevalent in our modern world. I love the sauna blanket for road trips and quick sweat sessions at home. It heats up really fast and your head sticks out so your head doesn't get hot, so you just sweat like crazy very quickly. Plus, it's extremely low EMF, which is something I'm always looking for. If you're ready to grab one of these Bond Charge sauna blankets, here's what you do. Go to bondcharge.com and use the coupon code LIFESTYLIST to save yourself a cool 15%. That's B-O-N-C-H-A. R-G-E bondcharge.com and again that code is Lifestylist I can tell even though you're the CEO of a company if I didn't mention it you probably never would because you're not a salesy kind of guy which is great but also when someone makes something really cool I want to share it And so when I got your PDF deck of this company Mana from Gabrielle, shout out to Gabrielle. Thanks for the intro there to you and this stuff. Originally, I thought it was this other like green powder, which was really nice. Someone sent it to me. I think it was called Mana. This a few years back and it was a really high quality, you know, spirulina and all the things. It was nice, but not terribly unique Mm -hmm. so i thought at first it was that but then when i read the deck i was like oh shilajit being got my attention ormus being plasma sea minerals being like all the stuff that i really like and i'm into elemental nutrition so i want to dive a little bit deeper into each of the ingredients it sounds like you've gone to the ends of the earth to source things and also to be fair and realistic I did take all kinds of different nootropics and a very small amount of LSD today. And so I might've been feeling great already. Who knows? I had a lot of liver for lunch. (laughs) So, you know, a lot of nutritional density today. But when you guys showed up and I poured this in a glass of water and just chugged it back, I mean, it was very apparent that there was a lot of energy in this. So I want to to share it with the audience. So those guys that are watching on video, also it has really beautiful packaging. And- (laughs) being an aesthetically driven person, I was like, oh yeah, this is legit. So the way it works is it comes in this little packet and on this side, it's kind of a soft little pillow and then this side is more of a firm kind of a cardboard. And so all you do is you just basically take this and you just twist it in half and squeeze it and it just drips out into your water or whatever drink and you stir it up. So super easy to take. And as someone who's been using Jeet for many years, that stuff's not easy to work with. And it's also difficult to source because it can be prone to heavy metals and yeast and mold and all kinds of funky stuff, as I'm sure you've known from your research. So let's learn a little bit more about this.
1: Sure. So why MANA excites me so much is I look at nutrition now as like what's the first principles of nutrition? What's the closest thing to that field? And to me, that's the atom. So what product is going to have all of those different atomic structures in it? What we've done with the MANA is we've got the most concentrated ocean plasma we can get, which was from from the Dead Sea. And then we've got the most concentrated plant-based supplement that we can get, which is Shilajee from above 16,000 feet. So one's black, When we're finished with the Dead Sea Ocean Plasma, it turns white because we put it through a a, a vortex device with a rotating magnetic field. So it forms a precipitate. And then we put those two together. And when we test them in laboratory, kind of where one's not so high, the other one makes up for it. So we kind of see it as like the black and white keys on a piano. Right. It's like, you know, if you're playing a song with... Twenty keys on a piano you're only going to get so much of a song but if you have the whole keyboard then you can play all of those different notes 88 keys on the piano 88 days sleeping next to the dead sea and, and, eight, <laughs> and 88 different minerals oh that's in the right. product that's right in the shilajit 108 in the ocean plasma so wow so yeah the reason i'm so passionate about having that first principles of nutrition in the product is that's no longer in our food and our soils anymore. So the US Department of Agriculture has found that over the last 100 years, 80% of the minerals that were in the soil are now taken out from commercial farming. So it doesn't matter what food we eat, it doesn't matter what we take, if we don't actually have... A kale smoothie ain't going to do it. If we don't have those building blocks, then we're going to be deficient somewhere. And it's not even necessarily that our body needs access to all of those different 108 nutrients, but at least if it's got access to them, it can choose which one it wants and it can just get rid of the rest. So it's honoring our body as the most advanced technology in the universe that if we give it access to everything, it can pick and choose what it needs and function in an optimal state. And then what about the Ormus
0: element? I saw on the ingredient deck on that PDF, Ormus, and this is something I heard about many years ago and I've always... I don't know if suspicious is the right word, but it's kind of like with quantum energy, right? Like I work with a lot of quantum energy stuff and I believe in the things that I'm using and promoting and guys I have on the show and stuff. But there's also a mass market of like quantum energy stuff that is total bullshit. And I've always had a sense that since Ormus is seemingly hard to prove, mm. that you could just say anything has Ormus because it's like invisible or just a white powder or whatever. <laughs> so what what is Ormus? My understanding is that it is elements that are outside of the periodic table, like subatomic exactly. elements or something. Could you break down what Ormus is and how one can discern when something actually has Ormus in it or not?
1: Absolutely. So I mean Ormus is actually in everything. Okay. Ormus means rearranged monoatomic elements. Okay. So okay. orbitally rearranged monoatomic elements. It's only a word that's been around for thirty years. Made by a gentleman called David Hudson. So the original word for it was really in Egypt was mufkat or in the Hebrew language was mana. There's three main ways to produce it. One is from seawater, the other is from dead seawater and those two sources are very different and the third way is from precious metals. So when I was in Egypt in 2014, the Guardian of the Sphinx gave me a document of three those three ways. I didn't know what what almost was at the time, or Mufkat. So he gave me a document which showed three different ways to produce those. And when I got back to the house that I was staying in... in Why did he give that to you? I'm not sure. I mean, we just ended up... I I wasn't planning to go to Egypt. Hmm. Um, I was with three other people and it was like the 8th of November 2014. And... One of the guys, we were trying to decide where to go, what to do. And one of the guys said, on my vision board, I've got Egypt three times. <laughs> so I said, let's have a look at flights. And there was a half price flight to go on November 11. So we went over there, arrived 11-11, and we literally had <laughs> no plan, didn't know where we were going to stay. How old are you at the time? Uh, I'm 46 now, so I would have been, let's say, 37.
0: Okay, that sounds about right. Yeah. Those kind of plans where you have no plans work really well when you're young. That would be terrifying to me at this point in my life. Yeah. (laughs) I want to know what seat on the plane. I need leg room. (laughs) Like it has to be a nice Uber. You know, I'm very high maintenance now. (laughs) I can't travel just, ah,
1: we'll see what happens, you know. Anyway, carry on. That was the experience in getting to Egypt. And then when we got there, we didn't have any plans. So just organically, ended up spending a lot of time with this gentleman. His name was G-O-D-A, G-O-D-A, Goddard. He actually left his body about two years ago. But yeah, we just became friends and he was taking me upstairs and we we're doing tea readings and then he actually took me underneath the Sphinx. His hotel and the building, the whole block that he owned, was the closest building to the Sphinx. And that guardianship had been in his family for thousands of years. Wow. I don't know the answer to why he gave it to me. And so essentially, this was the
0: formula of the three ways to extract what we now call Ormus. Correct. From these raw elements. Exactly. Wow. That's, I mean, talk about fate, right? Totally. I love stories like that because even a skeptic can't be like, oh, it's just random. (laughs) You know what I mean? It's like you were supposed to be there. You got there on a certain date. You met that guy. I mean, there's so many things, like we were talking about earlier, have to align Mm. to facilitate that result that it's just you have to live in the mystery to understand how that works and also have the wherewithal to follow it right like he could have handed you that document like ah whatever some old crusty document and not seen the value in it or not had your curiosity peaked enough to actually go well they gave it to me maybe there's a reason let me explore that reason and now you know I just had a drink of it
1: (laughs) And that's how I could tell there was something in it for me is when I got back to my place at Byron Bay and turned the place into a lab in that first month and had produced the mana from the three different ways that were on the piece of and paper. And it worked? Uh, yeah, it worked. Produced them all the three different ways and started wow. sharing it with people. And they were coming back to me with really crazy experiences. And I thought, I stopped and I thought, I've got to find out more about this. started so crazy scary experiences were there no they were good experiences but experiences that were you know psychological for people and so i felt a responsibility to one learn more about what i was doing i wanted to know if there was ways i could do it better and find out if there was someone i could spend some time with that knew how to make it as well to see if there was anything else that i could improve on basically that's just my the way my brain works so i seeked out a gentleman called barry carter And he was known as the librarian on the planet for almost, for like 30 years. Really? Yeah. And he lived in uh, Baker City, Oregon. Huh. So I went and stayed with him for a week. And
0: uh, And he just allowed you to come apprentice with him and just learn?
1: Yeah, I just contacted him and said, can I come and stay with you? This is the situation. And he said, okay. And I don't think he had had anybody stay with him for a long time by the situation that I kind of arrived to and... It was a beautiful experience for a week. He really opened up to me. And by the end of that period, he actually, at the end of the week, he actually gave me 1.4 terabytes of information, which was his life's work on Ormus. And this was what? Yeah, this was back in 2015. So 1.4 terabytes of information back then was a lot. I still haven't gone through it all.
0: Oh my God. And I'm assuming these terabytes are largely comprised of
1: written documents. There's a lot of presentations and videos on there as well. Oh, okay, got it.
0: I'm thinking just a bunch of ancient scrolls. I'm like, that's a lot of goddamn Word documents, man. No. They're like a couple kilobytes each.
1: Yeah, no, but there is a lot of information in there.
0: So he had just compiled all of this research and basically handed it off to you in multiple formats
1: correct okay correct yeah he had uh, like different chat groups online and on facebook and stuff like that so he'd just been attracting a lot of information just compiling Got it. it so i stayed with him for a week i didn't have any plans to do anything after that i, I know a bunch of these a- underground alchemists and different science labs and he said um why don't you reach out to a few of these people and go and visit them you know to learn more about it so i bought an old f-150 truck and um you sp- would have fit
0: in great here in texas Every yeah. other car is one of those.
1: Yeah, we didn't, <laughs> we didn't actually make it to Texas. This is my first time, but oh. mainly stayed over on the west side. Yeah. But yeah, it was an amazing experience because we spent the next three months driving around, visiting a whole bunch of alchemists and underground labs. And the exchange was that if you'd let me stay with you and show me what you're doing, then I'll give you this 1.4 terabytes of information. And, oh, wow. And, and Barry had given me the okay to do that. So. Oh, that's so cool. It was cool, yeah, and then um and at this time you you weren't like ooh i 'm going to make an
0: enormous product. You just are experimenting and wanting to learn about how to do it and what its benefits are and such
1: pretty much uh yeah, pretty much i was I was still st- seeking at the time, and I was pretty curious to to find out more about it because it was talked a lot of like this elixir of life or fountain of youth, and when you take it, you become one with the gods and the kings and high priestess in the past were using it, and potentially. It had these kind of qualities. So uh, at the time, I was fascinated to find out more.
0: What about uh, monoatomic gold? Is that something you've
1: researched at all? Absolutely. So uh, right now, actually, in the high Himalayan mountains, we have monks producing liquid monoatomic gold for us from 24-karat gold <laughs> through 2 stage process. Yeah, so we have actually got a suite of products coming through MANA that will be a liquid replacement for food with the intention of genetic liberation and activating the light body. Wow. Yeah,
0: every once in a while, I'll run into an alchemist-type person and they'll have some little vial of what they call monoatomic gold. I've never really known what it is, but it's just interesting to me. I think I only had it once. Interesting time, now that I think about it. I was in a small group uh, mushroom journey and one of the co-facilitators had mentioned that they had this monoatomic gold and it just stuck in my head for some reason. And then at a certain point, maybe three or four hours into the journey, I was looking at my relationship to currency and just money and how all of that works and how to have a healthy relationship with it. And I was in the middle of that thing and the thought came to me, you need some of that gold. This is part of this riddle. And I got up and was like, give me some of that gold. And she came over and gave it to me in the middle of the journey. I think that was, that's the only time I remember actually having it. Yeah, it's funny. Yes. Yeah, it's just, why did that pop into my head? Why did I remember that? I'm in the middle of this really deep, profound experience, healing all kinds of things, doing all kinds of things. And then when it got to that topic, it was like, ding, I need that gold stuff. And I, I don't know what it did or how it contributed. But you know, again, I don't live in a world where there are accidents, so... You know, perhaps it did have some sort of resonance in that moment.
1: Yeah. Well, gold is a carrier of light. Mm. It's the highest frequency precious metal. And when we put it through an alchemical process and it loses its metallic form, it and it turns into a, a, a white powder or a red slash yellow liquid. And once we consume that again, it can activate certain things and turn other things off. But it's all about bringing more light into the body and being able to hold more capacity and light in the vehicle. Wow. Yeah. This is so fun.
0: Yeah. (laughs) So I have the vision of you get your monoatomic gold product sorted out, start taking (laughs) that prior to sun gazing or doing like the red light therapy or whatever. I love just kind of intuitively stacking different things that seem to have synergy. Do you think there's anything to that idea?
1: Of course. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Anything that, I mean, this product is going to get the electrical system turned on. So there's a whole bunch of different things that it does. But really, it's getting all of those fluids. You mentioned before that we're 99% water or 99.9% water by molecular count. But none of that water inside us is fresh water. It's all salt water. So we're literally salt water beings. So once we get that electrical system turned on, the main three fluids are the blood plasma, the interstitium, and the intercellular fluid. And they can also communicate correctly together once they have all of those electrolytes. They can communicate with the other cells inside the vessel. They can also communicate with your higher dimensional template. They can also hold more light. Once we introduce the gold into that, that amplifies this product from the testing we're doing at the moment a (laughs) hundredfold. Oh my God. Dude, have you thought of... Integrating methylene blue into any of this? Do you know oh. about methylene blue? Oh, I just got told about it yesterday. Actually, oh, okay. I don't know enough about it.
0: Yeah, it's a. I mean, it's a synthetic. I believe it's the first pharmaceutical drug. I think they used it in, I don't know, the Civil War or something. <laughs> it goes goes back a ways, but it, it works topically as an antiseptic. But it has a really interesting effect on the mitochondria. Okay, because it allows the mitochondria to produce more ATP. I think, awesome. if I have this right, I've interviewed a bunch of super smart people about it without needing oxygen to do it. Right. super trippy stuff. But the interesting thing about methylene blue and your colleague, Beth McDougall, yes, I was listening to the podcast you sent at her clinic out in the Bay Area at Jizen. Jizen Labs. She does methylene blue IVs. Got it. Which I've done a lot of. And then she combines it with red light therapy. Awesome. Because methylene blue has this reflective relationship with light, specifically 660 nanometer red light. And so if you think about the mitochondria really being fueled ultimately by light and producing light and producing exclusion zone water, I don't know where I'm going with all this, but there's some synergy with all of this, right?
1: Yeah, and I think where you're going with it is it, it comes back again, our body is actually the most advanced technology in the universe. And what I mean by that is it's, it's actually capable of anything. So our current medicine and science, as an example, says we can't produce vitamins. We have to get them from food. But we can produce vitamins. Once our body goes through this process of genetic liberation, we can actually live off photosynthesis. So our enzymes can start photosynthesizing light and producing all of those other things that we currently need from food. The most
0: potent healing substance on Earth is finally here. It's called molecular hydrogen. They say life leaves no clues, right? Well, here are some clues as to why I feel I found biohacking's equivalent of the Holy Grail with the Lord's Hydrofix hydrogen generator. Let's geek out a bit here. Hydrogen is number one on the periodic table of elements, the first, the lightest, and the smallest of all elements. Hydrogen makes up 75% of the universe, the stars, the sun, and even our bodies. And molecular hydrogen, used for therapeutic purposes, is backed by over 1,700 unique scientific studies on 170 disease models. In fact, molecular hydrogen therapy has been shown to improve cognitive and neurological function, increase energy production and cellular efficiency, boost the immune system, combat digestive issues, and positively impact chronic inflammation. So that's all good news, right? But not all hydrogen machines are created equal. Most of them are uh, trash, to be honest, in my humble opinion. But the Lord's Hydrofix is the only hydrogen machine that produces structured hydrogen. This results in a more stable, longer-lasting, higher-saturation hydrogen water. I personally drink this water all day long as I work. I had a glass before I recorded this ad, in fact. The coolest thing, though, is that you can also use the HydroFix for hydrogen inhalation. So it's sort of a dual-purpose device. This thing is just awesome, and it's a must-have. So hook yourself up with the HydroFix at holyhydrogen.com and use the code GOH2 to save $100. And they even have payment plans, which makes it super easy to get started with your H2 therapy. Again, that target site is holyhydrogen.com and the code is GOH2. Imagine all the problems that would be solved if humankind did not have this rapacious relationship with the energy needed to consume to fuel the body. Yes. I think about the, because I find eating, I mean, I'm grateful that I have enough food to eat. There are many people that don't. So I'll add that caveat, but yes. I find food just so annoying. <laughs> like, honestly, just everyone, when are we going to eat? Where are we going to eat? We need groceries. We've got to order food. Then we've got to eat the food, cook the food, do the, it's like everything revolves around food. It annoys the shit out of me. Now, occasionally I like a nice meal and there's a certain pleasure in, you know, that enjoying is. food, but. I think that I'm meant for the future that you talk about, where you just go out and sunbathe with some ormus in your bloodstream, and you're good to go. <laughs> you know, but I mean, you know, the entire world economy and all this consumption of energy and all this destruction of the planet, or at least a lot of it, is based around the need to eat food. You know, and subjugating all of these animals. And I eat animals. I need to eat animals at this point in my body's evolution. But much of the way that we produce animal foods, as I'm sure you know, is just satanic and horrific. Add that in there and just what we do to the land to grow vegetables. Even people that are eating a vegan plant-based diet probably don't realize how much the land is raped to produce those calories that they're Mm -hmm. consuming too.
1: Yeah, I mean, firstly, it's unsustainable. And secondly, it's a big part of what's holding us in separation and fear. So it's holding us in that conditioning. That cycle's ending now. We're moving into a new one.
0: I like the confidence with which you state that. You said that a number of times. I mean, are you sure this is gonna happen?
1: Absolutely. Yeah? Yeah. Do you think there's no alternative.
0: It, do you think it will be within our lifetime where we crack the code on this photosynthesis and things like you're describing?
1: I do, yes. Yep. Yep. And it's even something like AGI or singularity. So AI, automated intelligence, I call it, is gonna go exponential in the next five, ten years. And that computing power will actually become fascinated in solving the human being because the computational quality that's happening inside of us is unsolvable. So something that has such incredible computational power will become obsessed in trying to solve that. And along that journey of trying to solve an unsolvable riddle, it will solve a lot of things. So longevity will go through the roof. Disease, illness, a lot of those things that have plagued us to this point will get answers to all of that. That that will help us transcend into a new human species as well. How do we circumvent
0: the powers that be that live in a state of scarcity that currently proliferate systems of disease with the, the way that we produce our food and quote-unquote medicine the medical system, the financial system, all these systems that are in place, which are essentially just different forms of slavery. And there there are entities that have wrestled kind of control of our civilization. I mean, not to get like negative or conspiratorial, but that's what's happening and what's been happening for a very long time. How do we circumvent the powers that be who don't want things like free energy and a body that heals itself and doesn't need food and and all of these things that you describe. There seems to be forces working against this with the suppression of things like free energy. I mean, there's been people that figure out how to run a car on water and then they mysteriously end up with a suicide wound to the back, you know?
1: Yeah, yeah, totally. I think, it's again, it's, um, you know, When we understand that polarity exists, there's always going to be light and dark and there's always going to be resistance to change. But if we can just focus on our passion and what inspires us and understand that that feeds the field, the more of us that do that, it has more impact on that field so that that field is actually manifesting through every being. It gives them the opportunity to start feeling more connected and more love. Because every human being that I've ever met wants to love and wants to be loved. It's just a matter of how long it takes before we get through that process. For me, it's really just focusing on on the light and doing the best that we can as individuals and sharing that good news. When can we expect
0: this monatomic gold next level product or the other products that you have coming after
1: uh, the mana? Yes, as I said, the gold is being produced for us in the Himalayas at the moment. And we'll do a production run with that. I want to say in three months' time, so it'll be available oh, wow. in probably six months. So oh, cool! It'd be nice to launch it maybe September twenty-one, which is from Australia. That's the spring equinox. Oh, nice! So, from an alchemy perspective, that's when nature has its most energy to express. It's just been dormant. It's been resting. It's rejuvenated. And it's got its full expression to give through, through the summer. So that's the date that we're looking at.
0: How did you? source such potent shilajit and what have you done to ensure that there's no contamination? Because I've heard wild stories about shilajit, one of which, which I don't know is true, but it just (laughs) goes through the thought sphere of people like me that are interested in these things. But I've heard one story, for example, that one of the ways that they essentially harvest shilajit is by blowing up these mountains with dynamite (laughs) because it's really high up. And you need to get it out from these rock crevices and stuff. And so you end up with like explosive debris essentially in the Shilajit and all kinds of weird stuff. How did you arrive at a level of purity and potency? What was that process like? Did you have to go to the Himalayas yourself or did you make contacts? I'm just curious the way that worked.
1: Yeah, absolutely. So, I mean, I set myself a goal with Shilajit of finding the 20 best suppliers on the planet. (laughs) So I'd been introduced to one who lives in Tibet who has a very special shilajit that's been passed down through generations? He only has a relatively small supply. So I had to find other suppliers. Exactly what you said. I actually went to the locations, lab wow. tested a whole bunch of different ones. Uh, and did you was, find any of them to contain metals or
0: totally. mold or anything? You yeah, did? Totally. Totally. Wow.
1: And it was funny the ones that were at the lower altitudes were the ones with less nutrients. Oh. and more heavy metals. Oh, right, right. Yeah, yeah. So as an example, most shilajit has between let's say 8 and 21% fulvic acid component in it, which is one of the main active ingredients, a really special ingredient. And outhow
0: it gives it the nootropic effect. Well, not just nootropic, but shilajit is like a potentiator of other things. Like if you yes. put shilajit in your coffee, your coffee's way stronger. Yes. If you microdose some mushrooms with shilajit, it's too strong <laughs> Which it's the hard yeah is that true or is it just Absolutely. in my head okay
1: yeah yeah there's some good is clinical it the fulvic acid that. that's doing that or what do you what it's do you a big think part of it yeah okay. it's, it's a combination of other enzymes and different things that are in there as well uh, but the fulvic acid is a huge part of it and the fulvic acid also looks out for electrolytes and trace minerals that's why when you combine it with that hypertonic ocean plasma so powerful because it's looking for those and then it transports them through the body and the fulvic acid is also an incredible adaptogen right so it helps with the absorption as well so the fulvic acid that's in our shilajit is 88 percent which is the highest on the planet so wow that's one of the reasons that it has such a incredible impact
0: i picture it being okay you're up in tibet or nepal or wherever right and you're thousand feet up and it's just solid rock everywhere and then I picture these little crevices in the rocks from millennia past where decomposed plant, maybe even animal matter, has just degraded over time. And essentially the minerals that made those plants and animals have just been consolidated into this black tar. And it's kind of like stuck in between rocks and someone has to go get it out. Is that, is that anything like what it's like in real life?
1: It's different everywhere. So Shilajit comes through the Himalayas, Tibet, southern China, Mongolia, Russia and Siberia, so there's huge mountain ranges. Everything of what I just said would be like going from LA to New York and back twice. Wow! So the sustainability of it's really high because oh, that was good, something that I'm I had to tap into as well. Run
0: out. <laughs> no, because it's in my top ten substances like that. I take it's just not going to run every out. day. Okay, good. Yeah,
1: but one of the, the one of the challenges with it, if you're getting it from those high altitudes, is it's really hard work. Like I went over to Everest in 2019 and I got such a a deep appreciation for the Sherpas getting the Shilogy because it's very high altitude, the tracks are terrible, it's extremely dangerous and it's heavy. To fill a sack full of Shilogy is really heavy. And the other thing is you can only really get it for, depending on where you are or how high you are, you can only really get it for four to eight weeks of the year it's it's covered the season. it's covered under snow I never even thought about that yeah so there's a window Uh, so this year as an example we'll employ 600 people to go out and get the shilogy in July and August really yeah holy shit this is so
0: interesting I love this stuff so if it's in, in that large swath of land in that mountain range, it begs the question, why can't it be found in the Rocky Mountains of the US or any other epic mountain range? Isn't that strange that it just ended up there? I wonder why.
1: Yeah, I think it's to do with what you said earlier. It's, you know, this has been in the mountains. It's debatable whether it's thousands of years or millions of years. But I think it's dating back to a prehistoric time where at those altitudes, those kind of plants were producing existing that are producing the shilajee and now at the lower altitudes where we are that just didn't have that plant matter right that's how i see it right
0: oh that's so interesting <laughs> i love
1: it i want to take some more is there
0: anything else in mana that i missed no that's it i mean uh, so the ormus is really part of the the sea mineral solution
1: correct okay correct yeah the ormus that's in this uh-huh. is from the dead sea and from water that we collect off Tasmania. So it's a 50-50 mix Got it. that goes through a proprietary structuring device. But there isn't almost made from gold in this product Got yet.
0: It. That's coming soon. And for those that are listening to this, I should have mentioned this earlier, but if you go to lukestory.com slash mana, M-A-N-N-A and use the code LUKE20, you get 20% off this stuff. I'm not just saying this because you're here, I highly recommend you trying it out. I think like... Anyone that tries it is going to be like, oh, shit. I mean, it's pretty, it's pretty impressive, dude. Thank you. I take a lot of supplements. I try a lot of stuff. And some of them
1: are cool and some of them are
0: really impressive. This would be categorized in a really impressive uh, category Thank for you. me. Yeah, it's, uh, and it's probably it's the very other thing special. Worth,
1: worth mentioning on it is within the formulation, we did actually spend quite a bit of time trying to improve the taste of the shilajit <laughs> yeah. and the ocean plasma as well because it's so concentrated. So it's at 400,000 parts per million. If, what? If you go much further than that, the water solidifies. So in the bottom of our holding tank, we actually have crystals growing, like magnesium crystals, potassium crystals. Because where are
0: your operations where you manufacture?
1: In Australia. Oh, okay. Yeah, and for, I'd love for the to ocean see that. Plasma. That sounds so cool.
0: Yeah. 4,000 PPM, is that what you said?
1: 400,000. 400,
0: 400,000? Yeah. I mean, like a bottle of Mountain Valley spring water is like 320 PPM or something. Yeah. I mean, that's crazy. How much is... What's the PPM of just the Pacific Ocean or or the ocean in Australia? Do you happen to know? Uh just for context?
1: Yeah, it's uh, uh,
0: 900. 400,000? That's a lot of minerals. That's crazy. But these minerals are bioavailable, I'm assuming, because they're oceanic minerals versus like drinking spring water here in Texas that's run through a bunch of limestone and is largely just like inorganic dissolved calcium that your body can't really do anything
1: with. 100%. Yeah.
0: So we've got the bioavailability because we're made of salt water, but the soil that we're growing our food in has been depleted of the minerals that would have come out of the ocean when it was all covered by the ocean. Totally. But Now the oceans have receded over time. All those minerals are concentrated in the ocean and not in the soil anymore because humans are idiots and <laughs> used all the petrol chemicals left over from World War II to start farming with.
1: That's it. Okay. So the ingredients that are in there, we can't get any more concentrated. Huh. So there's 1,000 milligrams of the ocean plasma. There's a thousand milligrams of the shilajit, which is a really generous dose. That's a
0: gram. Correct. Right? Correct. Wow, that is a lot. That's a big chunk. Like if you have the tar, it's I like mean, pea-sized take...
1: chunk. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Wow. And then because they're so concentrated, the taste is so intense. So that's what we worked on a lot. Was we've added six other spices and ingredients in there. Not to... MSG, right? No. <laughs>
0: Whenever I see spices on something, I'm like, ah. Oh, I was eating some chips two nights ago and it was like spice extract. I'm like, ah, gotcha. Spice extract, my ass. Like, no,
1: it's spices from the local area over there oh, okay. that, that are organic. We get them from a special farm. I was just messing with you. And um, actually makes it so that you can just have it with water and it tastes pleasant which is awesome Um,
0: i'm able to eat or drink just about anything no matter how crappy it tastes because um if it's good for me i'll just do it it's like medicine you know but uh this actually didn't taste bad Sheila shilajit's pretty gnarly it'll like ruin your coffee (laughs) basically you know but i imagine if you were to just put this in any smoothie or like a nut milk or something you probably wouldn't even notice it
1: exactly and that's how we wanted to design it so i still wouldn't recommend taking it straight even though a lot of people do. Which and, I did. And I do. <laughs> of course I did.
0: I just, I didn't know how to work the little ampule, you know, package. So I just ended up like kind of licking it out of there, which it still wasn't bad.
1: Yeah. well, it's, And it's a new kind of sachet. So people won't know how to use it. They'll have never seen it before. But on the homepage of our website, we've got a great little video, which shows how to take it out of the box and squeeze it. So it's the size of a credit card. One size opens as you showed before. Yeah. You fold it in and half it, and just, it pops right out. That's it. And it's it seems
0: like, like you're able to get all of it out too. It annoys me with packaging where it's something really valuable and you know there's some left when you throw yeah. it away. <laughs> it's like, ah, especially if it was like an expensive supplement or something, you know? What's your relationship with, I mentioned her earlier, but I, I just wanted to expand on that with Dr. Beth McDougall. Yes. Who seems really fascinating and someone that I definitely want to meet and maybe even interview. How did you get involved with her and what's her relationship to, to your company or the different projects you're working on?
1: Yeah, so my other business partner, Brad McDonnell, him and I went over to Solsalito back in 2018 to talk with two of our friends. One of those was Dr. Beth McDougall, and she decided to come on as a business partner as well. Oh, cool. So it's the three of us and her partner, Mark, the four of us and the company, and she's really the spokesperson for MANA for that clinical side. She's an MD and can break down all of the clinical studies in a way that people can understand them. She adores the product. She boldly says it's the one product that she takes every day and will never not take.
0: Yeah, I'm getting a sense it's going to be that way for me too, to be honest. And listening to that podcast she was on, I think it was Ben Greenfield. Her place, this Jai Zen, sounds really awesome. This clinic she's got out there and I think it's in Marin County or something near Sausalito. Yeah, but she was rattling off all the modalities and technologies. It's like, yes, 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 yes. She's doing all the cool stuff, you know, and even a lot of things I hadn't even heard of. So, I'm going to definitely do my best to get out there and meet
1: her and see what she's up to. From my perspective, it's the most advanced biooptimization center on the planet. And I got... mean, based on that interview, they had more stuff in one place
0: than I've ever heard of.
1: Correct. Yeah. So if you can get yeah. over there, meet Dr. Beth. She's an incredible being of light, and I think you'd love her. Yeah, I think so too.
0: Yeah, well, we're going to be out there in about a month visiting my mom and going to a retreat out there. So I'm going to be about 40 minutes away from there. Beautiful. Yeah, in uh, Calistoga. Yeah. Let's take a minute here as I would love to share my latest discovery with you Lifestylist listeners. As soon as I tried this product, I became instantly obsessed, and it's now officially a non-negotiable ingredient in my morning smoothie and sometimes even coffee. First time I tried it, I felt focused, uh, my mind was clear, and it continues to improve my mental performance on the daily. I actually had some in my smoothie this morning and will likely do another scoop in some water for my afternoon work block to keep this brain pumping. You're probably hip to the superpowers of mushroom extracts and collagen protein. Well, the product I'm talking about here contains the most hyper concentrated forms of four of the best brain boosting mushrooms. So that's lion's mane, chaga, cordyceps, and reishi, plus collagen protein and Peruvian cacao. This magic in a jar, my friends, is called Collagenius, And I love that it turns your brain on without any jitters or crash whatsoever. It's super clean brain energy. So if you're getting beat down with the old brain fog, have difficulty focusing, and want to repair your brain in the most natural way, you definitely want to check this stuff out. Here's what you do. Go to Newtopia.com slash Genius and use the code Luke10 at checkout and save 10%. That's N-O-O-T-O-P-I-A, Newtopia.com slash LukeGenius. And check this out, Newtopia, the company that makes College Genius, is so confident that you'll love this product that they offer a 365-day money-back guarantee. So uh, there's no risk for you here to check this out. Again, your link is Newtopia.com slash LukeGenius, and the code is Luke10. Do it now, you guys. Your brain will thank you. So you've traveled to these sacred sites, right? Machu Picchu, the pyramids in Egypt, et cetera. And Shasta being one of these kind of power centers that's widely known. What was your experience there? I talked about it with the incredible spring that's there, but Shasta has this really funny kind of, bigfoot alien mystique around Mm -hmm. it where there is a, a pretty decent swath of subculture people that think that there's actually a civilization living inside lake shasta underground and the stories get pretty crazy around that area for some reason did anything supernatural or interesting transpire when you were there were you impressed by it in any way
1: yeah i always say it's my second favorite place on the planet really yeah and um What's first? I know the the Dead Sea. Oh, okay. Yeah. Uh, Of course. I know the story of the Lemurians and like the Telos beings that exist there. For me, I haven't had any of those experiences of interaction with beings. But the reason I call it my second favorite place is the water. I just love the different water expressions there and you know, having a conversation or earlier how important water is. So you got Stewart Springs just up the road. I think that's actually called... That hot spring place? Yeah. Epic. Yeah. Did you go in the tubs yes. inside? Yes, the tub, the sauna, then the fresh yeah. water. Yeah.
0: Dude, when I went in, the, I was up at this farm called Belcampo up there a few years ago. And of course, everywhere I go, the first thing I do is Google where's the hot springs. Okay. Number yeah, yeah, one, yeah. I mean, absolute <laughs> first thing. I don't Google. I hate that word. I web search it. Google's evil. Don't kick me off there, please, Google. I use your drive a lot. (laughs) So I find that hot spring and I go there and I had said something like there was a sign on the wall that said like, you know, don't get a massage in this water or something like that. And I was like, oh, whatever. Interesting. And so I went in, even though you're in a room by yourself, I wore shorts because I wanted to be able to go jump in the cold creek and not have to like get dressed and undressed every time. And dude, I got like these micro cuts all over my legs and stuff. I think from my shorts touching some chards of like minerals or something. Did you experience that? Like it like yes. cut me up. I was like bleeding from yeah. just sitting in this tub. This is the weirdest thing ever. Oh, you
1: hadn't gone from the tub to the sauna? Um, I did both, but... So what happens is when you get out of the tub... Uh-huh. It it still has all of the... Because it's such a hypertonic solution. Okay. It's actually the closest water I've seen to the Dead Sea water. Really? Yeah. You know how it feels like silk? It makes you skin feel like silk. Yeah, and it has a very strange smell. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's not
0: sulfur smell like some hot springs. It's a totally... It's almost like
1: ammonia. Yeah. It's a very strange smell. It's a different mineral expression. Yeah. And so when you get out of that water and your shorts dry, Uh they go like cardboard. Uh. So, So without you noticing it, when you're walking... Salt is actually crystallized light, so there'd be sharp components (laughs) on the crystals that would have been giving you chafe.
0: Yeah, it was very, because it wasn't like, uh, you know, like if you took sandpaper and rubbed your arm where it just all turned generally red and was irritated, they were little cuts, they were actually bleeding.
1: Because it would have been crystals, so like the points of the crystals were probably scratching against your skin yeah as you were walking incredible spring one to the sauna
0: okay noted if i'm ever back there again i won't do that so so shasta for you the magic of that area is really about the water so between like the the spring water around the mountain and then that hot spring correct wow that's pretty impressive considering the travel you've done yeah that it really left that impression
1: yeah and the redwoods as well i mean they're an incredible being and you know, once you go a little bit further north, you've got the Smith River and the Rogue River and Crater Lake. So just that whole area. But yeah, I feel Shasta and Oregon has the best water on the planet, actually. Second to New Zealand. Yeah, it just feels very inductive to me. Yeah, I agree. Very nurturing. What
0: about uh, Machu Picchu? That's somewhere I've not been Is on my kind of reserve bucket list. Not the first bucket list, but like it'd be nice, you know, but it's not like I'm dying to get there. Mm. Did you have any interesting experiences there or Anything that informed your worldview,
1: career, projects, et cetera? I did, yeah. So Machu Picchu has three main mountains you can climb. And the main mountain that everyone thinks is Machu Picchu is actually Picchu, <laughs> the picturesque one. So Machu oh. Picchu itself is much higher and only about 20 people a day climb it because wherever you are at 2 p.m., you have to come back down because they don't want to risk people running out of light. Yeah, I climbed Machu Picchu, made it to the top and. I remember doing a meditation at the top and woke up and there was a condor in front of me. And No way. Yeah, yeah. And condors don't usually go to those altitudes. And it was interesting because Brad, who I told you about, my business partner, he'd given me a book to read called The Celestine Prophecy like years before. And I hadn't read it. And I felt like I wanted to read it on my way to Peru. I was trying to find the book, couldn't find it anywhere, got to the airport, went to the bookshop. They said, no, we don't have it. They said, there's one other bookshop like miles away. So I walked over to that other bookshop to see if they had it. And it was sitting on the counter next to the register, the last one that they had. So I was actually reading the Celestine Prophecy on the plane on the way over, and it literally felt like that kind of journey as I was traveling through the Sacred Valley to get to Machu Picchu, then had the meditation. And it it was quite early for me. It was 2013. So it was quite early in the journey. But it was still very beautiful. At the bottom in Machu Picchu Village, there's hot springs again. Really? Yeah. All right, I'm on it. Yeah, yeah. The amazing thing with that is you'll do these huge hikes during the day. You come down, you get in the hot springs. And then in the morning, you feel like you haven't even walked. They're so rejuvenating, right? So it's a great example, again, of the minerals, of how rejuvenating and revitalizing they are. And then you go into that beautiful deep sleep as well. To hike at those
0: altitudes, did you chew on any uh,
1: coca leaf? While I was hiking, I think I did, yeah. You fly into Lima, which is the capital of Peru. And when I got to Cusco, which I think is about, uh, I can't remember if it's 5,000 feet or 5,000 meters now, but I actually had altitude sickness there for a couple of days before I started the rest of the journey. So once I got to Machu Picchu, I was acclimatized. I was okay. So, yeah. I, I hear that the, the local people
0: there use that plant a lot to help them acclimate you totally. know, to be able to operate. I, I love that. I mean, I don't use cocaine, but I love coca leaf. It's a great, it's a great herb. To me, it's like a tonic herb. I chew on it every day. Oh, awesome. I'm not addicted though, I swear. No, I'm just <laughs> <kidding>. <laughs> awesome. no, I mean, it's so mild compared to the refined version of like the street drug, you know, but it's, it's a really, it's really nice. It's almost like a mild caffeine or something. I mean, much more mild than caffeine, but it's also, it's a bit more mood elevating mm-hmm. than caffeine. Like Agreed. it just kind of brightens you up. It's really nice. I haven't had the chance to test it out like with an endurance activity like that or with altitude, but I've always thought it was interesting that the people there will make a tea out of it or they'll chew it in order to, able to hike up those mountains absolutely yeah. interesting stuff
1: i actually haven't tried it since then since oh, I, yeah, left I got in some in my office so. <laughs> awesome
0: <laughs> makes a mess out of your mouth it turns your whole mouth green it's not pretty so if you have a date or a photo shoot maybe save it <laughs> uh where's your favorite hot springs in the entire world oregon yeah yeah is it does it have a name or just in general
1: yes yeah, so once you get into the what's is it called the umper umper forest
0: I'm not sure. Oh, I'm not familiar right. with that state. Oh, I've been to Ashland, I think it's called. Ashland, yep. Oregon, like right to a hot spring there, actually. Uh, Jackson Springs. Yeah. 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 So that's quite was, commercial. Yeah,
1: yeah, I mean, yeah. It's there's one better up, than
0: nothing, but it's not like in nature, you know.
1: Yeah, there's one up there. It's one of the most beautiful experiences I've ever had. There's literally half a dozen of these pools that cascade down the side of a mountain the top one's the hottest and you can't get in it. Or I couldn't get in, it was too hot. The second one, I couldn't get in, it it was too hot. But I could kind of, you could dip your foot in it. Yeah. And then the third one, you could get in and then it just gets cooler as it goes down the mountain. And at the bottom was a f- free-flowing, like, freshwater river. Uh, so you could go back and forth. The best. Yeah, the best. That's literally
0: yeah. the best thing in life. I recreated it kind of here because I have sauna and the cold plunge, you know, um, and sometimes a jacuzzi when it works but that's literally my favorite thing ever. There's, if you're ever in Southern California, Hidden Gem, well, there's two actually. They're in the middle of LA in Koreatown. There's a place called Beverly Hot Springs. And it's like a Korean spa where you go get spa treatments and massages and things like that. But the building, the structure is built on top of a natural geothermal hot spring right in the middle of LA, like very close to downtown LA. And it's, it's, amazing beautiful spring water like silky just incredible spring but for the nature thing there's a place called deep creek and what sucks about it and what's good about it is it's really hard to get to you kind of have to be taken there by someone who knows and then to get there in a car you have to go through someone's private property and you stop at this little like country-ass ranch house and give the guy five bucks and he lets you onto his property. And then it's about a 30-minute hike down into the Deep Creek hot springs. But it's like you describe, it's, there's these huge boulders and then as the water sort of cascades down the boulders, there's these different pools. And then there's a freezing-ass deep pool of a creek right there yeah. too. And it's just the best. It's the best. Probably, I would say that's probably my favorite hot spring just because there's so many options and it's so beautiful. Yes. And because it's kind of hard to get to, if you go on the right day, there's not a lot of people there. And, you know, you can't pull your car up to it or anything like that. Um, but, you know, I only went, I think, twice because I could never figure out how to get there. So I had to wait <laughs> till someone that like knew the way. But it's kind of in between LA and Las Vegas in San Bernardino County. Okay. Anyone that's like in that scene in Southern California, if they know about it, they'll know how to get there and where it is. So Deep Creek Hot Springs, put it on your your hot spring tour list.
1: I will, thank you. And you guys have the most magnificent hot springs all through Oregon, California, yeah. across to Colorado. There's
0: a lot in Colorado. That's where I first started doing it when I was a little kid in, in the Glenwood Springs Hot Springs. There's a big pool. They basically have a swimming pool. And then there's some vapor caves there right across the street that are geothermal vapor caves that are amazing and then recently they someone down the road built a proper little kind of outdoor hot spring center with different pools of different temperatures probably from the same fountain head awesome yeah colorado's got great springs yeah it's my home state well dude i think we did it I feel like I could just sit and shoot the shit with you forever. So, I don't... <laughs> in case the audience is like, okay, I think you guys covered it, I will, you know, give them the grace of allowing them to go live their life. But uh, <laughs> I can't wait to hang out with you and your partner here more, man. You guys are just kindred spirits, man. We have so much in common. I love what you're doing in the world. You created something, as I said, that's really, really special here, which is awesome. Just when I think like, eh, I've kind of tried everything. Everyone's invented everything. Cool supplement wise, you guys really did something quite special so i'm really uh, glad to connect with you and see what you come up with next with this gold stuff and
1: i'm fully i'm in i'm
0: drinking the kool-aid
1: thanks brother yeah really appreciate you having us on the podcast and love everything you're doing i can feel your heart as well and yeah, uh, yeah looking forward to hanging out too brother right on we'll do it thank you Well,
0: thank you so much for joining us today and big ups to David for going literally to the end of the earth to create his product, Mana. And I've been waiting for someone to really nail Shilajit and ocean minerals in one product. And I got to say, he's gone above and beyond my wildest here with this one. Again, to try Mana, go to LukeStory.com slash Mana and use the code Luke20 for 20% off, LukeStory.com slash Mana. And I'm really curious to uh, hear what you guys think of this one. It takes a lot to get me amped up on a new supplement, as you might imagine. I just come across so many cool things, some of them cooler than others. But this one is very special. I will give you a heads up, though, because it's so concentrated. It does have a pretty strong flavor. I don't know if you're familiar with Shilajit, but it's potent stuff. It's not bad, just potent. I take mine right under the tongue, straight up. But some folks might prefer to mix it in some chai tea or milk. So play around with it and find your flavor groove and I can't wait to hear what you guys think about it because Alice and I are both super into it so after you try it I'd like you to do this shoot me a DM on Instagram with your experience and you can find and follow me there at Luke's story okay so that was David Reed and Mana but before we dip allow me to invite you to join me next week where I sit down with my favorite body worker and Master check practitioner Alex Rybczynski of Primal Fusion Health This cat has had a profound impact on me over the past few months, so I just had to share his wisdom with you. I'm talking about episode 469. It's called Teeth to Toes, Root Cause Fixes for Neck and Back Pain with Neurosomatic Therapy. Next week's guest, Alex, is truly a master of anatomy and uh, at fixing the unfixable. So I'm stoked to share him with you next week. And we literally go through the whole human body from head to toe and demystify the cause of pain and limited ranges of motion. It's pretty wild. All right, that's it for now. Until we meet again next Tuesday, do your best to love yourself and love everyone you meet, especially those you don't like.